0: Hi folks, my name is Girish Bally, the host for Back to Basics, another Back to Basics for another week. Today we're going to be talking about health and how health is so damn important nowadays, we just have no clue. Some people, they take it for granted. Some people, they take it really seriously. And we'll focus on that, and that is the focus. Yes, focus is one of those keywords that we're going to be using today, and health is one of them too. So let's uh, speak with Haley, who is on my call today, and we're going to go and talk about all the stuff that she does or doesn't do, and why is she here on my show. So thank you again. Haley, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you again. So before we start, and and you know what I'm about to start and, and say, uh, what does Back to Basic uh, mean to you?
1: I think for me, getting Back to Basics is really focusing on those building blocks of well-being. Um, these are things like good nutrition, movement of some kind, adequate sleep, hmm. social connection, and purpose. Hmm. And I think just because they're basics doesn't mean they're easy. But when you focus on those building blocks, it's, it is easier for everything else to kind of fall into place.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you again, uh, Haley, for, for coming here and answering that question and supporting me on this uh, small podcast of mine. You know, health is underrated, overrated. Or just not really focused well? What do you think? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think health is incredibly important. I don't know if you could underrate it. So um, yeah, I think it's it's super important. And Mm -hmm. um, what I focus on in um, my book, which is called Strong Like Her, it's a Mm -hmm. cultural history about women and physical strength, is access to fitness and health and how... Women in particular haven't always had access to that. There have often been barriers to to people being able to to work out or to exercise for leisure or for competition. And I think that movement is for all. Everyone should have access to it. There shouldn't be limitations on what types of fitness you can um, pursue, depending on who you are, you know, whatever interests you, I think, um, You should be able to do so Mm -hmm. that's sort of how i feel about um about fitness and health
0: yeah yeah thank you thank you again but is there limitations or is there no limitations i mean is is that a myth or is that what people they say what are your thoughts on that
1: i guess it depends on what kind of limitations you're talking about i'm i'm never gonna deadlift 500 pounds but um but there are women who can deadlift like incredible amounts of weight um I think that we have a lot of limitations in our mind that have been passed down. So one thing I always heard growing up from within my family was that women in my family didn't have upper body strength and that Mm. I wouldn't be able to do a pull up. I wouldn't be able to climb a rope. And these were things that we just weren't good at. And, um, maybe maybe that's true to some extent but because i never pursued it i never got better at that type Mm -hmm. of thing Mm -hmm. i've learned in adulthood that i can climb a rope i can Mm -hmm. do a pull-up it -hmm. might not come as easily to me as doing a squat or running or something lower body focused but um what i found in researching this book is uh, that you know there have been studies done and when people think that they're taking uh, steroids, which were really just a sugar pill, they were mm. able to lift more than when they um, you know than when they were not taking the sugar pill. And mm. then once they were told it was a sugar pill, they were again um, not able to lift that that weight mm. that they had just done. And mm. so it really shows that we have a gulf between what we can physically do and what we mentally think we can do. Mm. And in this particular study I'm referencing, these were, high-level power lifters. So they were already very good mm-hmm. and very strong and trained a lot. Um, but they were capable of doing more than they thought. And mm-hmm. once that mental advantage was taken away, they struggled. So I think that happens to all of us in small ways. Our mm-hmm. brain is always trying to protect us. It doesn't want us to do extreme things. Um, mm-hmm. But we can overcome that if, mm-hmm. if we do want to pursue um you know pushing our limitations
0: so uh, thank you again haley for answering that question but let me ask you this is it because back in the days i hope i don't get really uh you know uh pulled by this but do you think back in the days it used to be like lady likes are not supposed to do this versus today's woman nowadays you think the the thought process has changed when it comes to exercise does that make sense
1: yeah, it's definitely changed. And I talk a lot about what was considered ladylike, um, in the past and even yeah. what's considered ladylike now, I think things have changed a lot. Yes. What inspired me to write the book was the fact that I was looking around and seeing all of these strong, muscular women, mm. which I didn't remember seeing when I was growing up. I didn't see a lot of women, mm. um, with barbells and, That's right. um, you know, competing on American Ninja Warrior and just doing all of these, um, strength-focused activities. And I wanted to know how that had evolved. And I did find out, of course, that, you know, throughout much of history, we had very distinct ideas about what was appropriate for men and what was appropriate for women. And those activities in the fitness realm didn't overlap.
0: Hmm. So,
1: um, you know, even in the, I, I read a book from the 1890s, and They, the author felt that um, the most strenuous thing a woman should do is lie in a hammock, which Mm. is not an actual fitness activity. And, you know, there were people in the 1800s who really thought that just walking was too strenuous for women. We Mm. don't even see jogging become popular as um, a recreational activity until the 60s and 70s. Mm. And in the 1970s, that's the first time women really get a chance to run long distance races. Prior that's to right that, people felt like your uterus would fall out if you ran a long distance, or you might start growing hair or something um, on your face or something horrible would happen to you. Mm. Um, so yes, things have changed, but um, I talk about this in the introduction of the book um, and, or the afterward, I signed up for a bodybuilding show uh, mm. Several years ago, and I mm. had a lot of interesting reactions to it. Mm. And some of those people warned me not to get too big because men don't like that, or not to lift too heavy because I might hurt myself. Mm. And so it kind of showed me that we do still have ideas about how far is too far when it comes mm. to fitness for women, mm. and and there are still some ideas out there about what's ladylike and what's not.
0: But, but obviously. Is there a thing, like too much of uh, of uh, muscles on, on ladies? Is that a bad thing or is it a good thing? I think it doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, nowadays it's very different. The thought process is very different now. What yeah, I mean, on? I think
1: it's up to the individual. You know, however much muscle they want to build, I think they should be able to. Mm. Um, I guess the only thing I would say about too much is any sport at an incredibly high level is probably not always the healthiest, right? If you're at an elite level, if you're an Olympian, um, you're very fit, but you're, you're compromising on other aspects of your life. And these people put their entire lives into Mm. staying well enough to compete in that sport. So Mm. it's not necessarily healthy to to perform at your absolute max for a really long period of time. But I think that that's not the case for most of us. We're not looking at um, that high level of of athletic activity. And so I think in general, people are capable of doing more than they tend to think that they are. And Mm -hmm. the benefits of that are far greater than perhaps the risks of doing too much. But with that said, you should rest, you know, incorporate rest days into your routine. You should, again, when we talked about the basics, you know, you should make sure you're sleeping. You should make sure that you're eating to fuel your body. Like there are a lot of things that you should take care of in order to keep everything in balance. Hmm. Um, but I don't think that there is such a thing as too much muscle on women. Um, and I think that our ideas, um, on a wider cultural basis, are becoming more accepting of women who do yeah. choose to build muscle.
0: I mean, you know, I mean, we're saying thank you again, by the way, H- uh, Haley, for for that. You know, we we keep on saying ladylike and menlike, but I think it could be just anybody, right? And and they need to just eat well, exercise well, and I think that that's just what it is. So yeah, no, no, go ahead, please.
1: No, I was just going to say yes. That's that's true.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, let's step back a little. Uh, Strong Like Her, how did this whole thing start? I mean, you said it briefly, but did the title come first, the situation come first, or which part came first when you started this book?
1: The first thing that happened was really me um, starting to weight train myself for the first time. I had grown up playing a lot of sports, but I had never wanted to be stronger when I was growing Mm. up. I wanted to be faster. I wanted to be more agile. I often wanted to be smaller, but I never really wanted to be stronger. And um, I started to lift weights around 2014, 2015. And as I mentioned before, I saw a lot of other women in the public eye and and just in my own life who were doing the same thing. And I wanted to know how that had evolved. And Mm. so I went to the library to check out books on the history of fitness Hmm. And as I started to read them, I discovered that there wasn't very much content about women. Hmm. Um, Most of these books focused almost entirely on men with just a couple of sentences in each chapter about what women Hmm. were doing in that time period. And so I really wanted to look at how we viewed muscle and physical strength throughout history. And so I start all the way in ancient Greece um, and go through today looking at how our attitudes have changed and who some of the trailblazers along the way were who've made it possible for everyday women today to even be able to pursue a lot of these fitness activities.
0: Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you again. But I mean, it seems like it's going to be a long journey, isn't it Haley? That it seems like I think the whole entire society in the world that that we're living in, it seems like it's going to be a, a long training process or what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think it's more of a mindset that we have not shifted over yet? Or it's shifted? And we're just getting there today?
1: In terms of our accepting of
0: accepting, exactly. Uh, I think that's the word I'm looking for accepting. That's correct.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely changed a lot just in the past decade in terms exactly. of how many um, opportunities there are. And in, in In something like CrossFit, for instance, which is very strength focused, the participation rates are about 50 50 for men and women. Mm. Um, Powerlifting has had a huge increase um, in the past 10 years of women competing. Same with Olympic weightlifting, strongman competitions. So I think that we are absolutely seeing the shift. Um, You know, and I, it changes kind of based on where you live. And and I am talking about um, kind of a US-based perspective here. It's of course different in other parts of the world. Um, But I I think things have changed a lot. Um, I think they're changing really rapidly. And I Mm -hmm. I think that we're moving in the right direction in terms of um, giving women and just people, any person in general, like more freedom to pursue the fitness activities that appeal to them. Hmm. I think that we're doing a better job of not gendering fitness activities the way that we have in the past.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. You know, uh, so Haley, are there any services that you you offer to to people to help in the, the struggles of getting into the fitness zone, or even just staying fit in general? I mean, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, there are so many resources out there. And I think that that is one thing that's changed a lot. Um, I profile a wonderful woman in my book named Pudgy Stockton, who was called the Queen of Muscle Beach back in the 1930s and 40s. And she was kind of one of the first women to lift heavy weights and look really cute doing it on the beach. And people wanted to be like her. And for the first time, kind of average women thought I could try that. I could pick up some dumbbells. And sure. so she wrote a column for Health and Strength or Strength and Health magazine in, um, in the 40s for about a decade and just gave women practical information on how could get started with a strength training plan. Mm-hmm. But the way she came to that was she had gone to the library to mm-hmm. find out how she could get a strength routine for herself, and she could not find anything. There just were not resources available at that time. Hmm. And I think today, you know, we have the democratization of information, and you can find so much online. The work that I do is more, um, uh, you know, on the writing and the cultural history side. So I like to spotlight, um, you know, the, the people in the industry, the people who've um, came both in history as well as I do profile 23 modern day athletes in the book. They all Mm. have beautiful portraits um, shot by celebrity photographer, Sophie Holland. Um, But I don't um, do health coaching of my own. Um, Mm. So I, there are a lot of great resources out there. And I always do recommend for someone who's new to strength training Mm. to get some personalized, you know, one-on-one, um, advice first to make sure that your form is right. Um, because it is a very, it's actually a very, um, an activity that's not prone to injury if you're doing it correctly. And if you're not, you could, you could injure yourself fairly easily, but if you have proper form, um, you know, you don't have, uh, you don't have other people around like you would in soccer or basketball or sports like that, where it's very unpredictable. Someone could always, run into you, land on you, all kinds of things. And that's a risk that we accept for a lot of sports. But I think people tend to think like, oh, lifting a barbell is very dangerous. And it really isn't necessarily so as long as you know what you're doing.
0: Thank you, thank you again. Uh, You know, more and more you investigate uh, and then you have put this into a book. Have you found other stories that you're gonna be writing a a part two of or part three of uh, for that matter?
1: That's a great question. I have found so many stories and and so many that I wasn't able to include in the book. I interviewed more than 40 people for the book and scoured many um, academic resources and all kinds of other um, primary sources. And uh, I would like to continue writing on this topic. Um, It's always fascinating to me to talk about um, the history, women's history in general, and then particularly this um, fitness related history, because it has been so undercovered in, um, in books for a mainstream audience. Um, Absolutely. But I don't have any specific plans right now. I'm still sort of figuring out what my next project will be.
0: No, no, I understand that. I didn't put I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. But it was just a question I had. But, you know, is there a difference between the East Coast, Midwest and then the West Coast? uh, And how, I guess, girls or I should say, ladies in general, they, they are or were back in the days? I mean, were, is there a big difference?
1: That's a really good question. You know, I think I didn't look at it geographically quite like that. I think that there were eras where things were different depending on what coast you lived on or whether you lived in the middle of the country. I mentioned mm. Muscle Beach already. So, mm-hmm. fitness culture really did take off on the West Coast um, mm-hmm. back in that um, post-depression era. Mm. But I think I would imagine that there's probably more of an urban-rural divide than a East Coast-West Coast divide. I mm. I can't say for sure. Um, that would be my guess. Just as there were more, you know, in in bigger cities, you're going to have more opportunities to. Sure go to gyms, um, in, in general mm. or to see like different fitness activities happening or to even go watch sports. Um, and so I think that that probably plays a role, but I didn't find, um, a huge difference within the U.S. I think that there are absolutely differences. Um, you know, the U S to Japan, for instance, I traveled mm. there while I was working on the book. And I think, You know, I remembered seeing billboards and um, that had that were emphasizing fitness for women. And it was still very much that, um, you know, very thin, um, just a different kind of look than I think um, I tend to see on advertisements for fitness things here in Mm. the U.S. now.
0: You know, it would be really curious. I mean, I'm going to find out uh, eventually, (laughs) I, I guess, the you know, the West and the East Coast and the timelines of which way you know, got proned or began from. I think in your case, I think the way you're explaining, I think came from the West, but I mean, it could be anywhere. So it would be really fascinating if I find that study out. So
1: i of
0: kind of curious on that. So thank you again for making my eye opening on that part. So well,
1: uh, a lot of things too, um, at least in like the the late 1800s, early 1900s tended to come from the UK. Um, and then would come kind of over here. so I talk about a swimmer in the book who actually came from Australia and then went to the UK and then came to the US and sort of brought this new style of swimsuit that allowed women to swim more comfortably. And so I think we get influences from from all kinds of around
0: places. the place, right right? yeah, so thank you thank you again. I mean that's kind of fascinating. Didn't realize that it was, uh, you know the in depth from the history all the way down to today's time and how it's kind of designed that book. I mean I knew it obviously before we came on the show, but it's kind of fascinating the more and more we talk about it and it's kind of fascinating so thank you again, uh, Haley, for that now before you leave today, do you have any last words for all back back to basic uh, listeners and viewers and how is your journey on back to basics and any any thoughts on that
1: Oh, that's a big question uh I guess I would just say, you know, one thing that I hope people get from these conversations or from reading Strong Like Her if they choose to is that you are capable of more than you think you are. Um, And I I want people to know the importance and how factors like your physical strength um, connect to things like your emotional well-being, your social well-being. Even things like political power, they're hmm. all really interconnected in interesting ways. And I got to dig into that in the book, which um, I think that we we kind of know like, oh, you know, if you're healthy in one area, you're healthy in the other. But I don't think that even I knew before I started writing this book how interconnected all of these things are. And so I think it's just interesting to think about because we, I think, have often thought about physical strength as kind of a frivolous thing, like something that people pursue if they have extra time or maybe if they're vain. Um, But it's really uh, kind of like a fundamental human right that we should have the ability to pursue fitness. And it really has led to some amazing transformations um, over the years and even things like women's suffrage, um, getting the right to vote. So Uh, I encourage people, if they're interested, to look more into that connection and just to appreciate that we do have the ability to work out today in a way that hasn't been around for as many decades as you might think.
0: Mm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again, Haley, for coming on the show and and supporting uh, my show and uh, explaining that whole story. And it's kind of a history lesson, right, of what we have learned today. So thank you again for explaining here and thanks for coming on the show
1: yeah thank you again for having me i appreciate it
0: thank you thank you so much guys we spoke with haley today and we talked about the history of well we talked about the history of ladies back in the days and and today's world of how the strength was not kind of used back in the days or was it hmm you figure that out when you read that book and i think she explained it quite well that it was kind of around the world that we're getting inspired by of how fitness or i should say strength kind of works for you now as usual as always there is a quote of the day from back to basics and hopefully my guest will like uh, the quote Uh, the quote here is you can't control what goes on outside but you can control what goes on inside which means that you know you need to you need to be strength and you need to actually work on your fitness and your eating habits and your sleeping habits just like what you said now as usual as always what do we always say at the end of the episode everything in life goes back to basics and that's what we did today guys guys take care god bless keep on commenting on all my episodes because it helps me to understand that you are listening and supporting me and the three things in every episode including this one makes it a hit for me that is which is the content the guest and definitely the host guys take care god bless and i will see you next time on back to basics next week's episode on back to Basics. i'm up with 10 to 20 uh complicated wellness pillars right and and that's really complex i mean i'll give you an example they say eating healthy exercise sleep well avoid alcohol stay connected uh take a a tech break you know they go on and on and on and on right so and so what is your ingredient and let's make it simple if you don't mind so one by one if if uh, we can just go through that if that's okay Absolutely. So
1: um, I would say the four major ingredients are movement, stillness,